So I get the job to rope you back in tonight, you know, after <clears throat> the kind of disruption of uh, all the, what, um, stuff. You know, it's just stuff. You know, future and stuff. So, um, before I do a little review here. A student is on one side of a raging river. There are no bridges. He has no boat. He shouts out to the master on the opposite bank, how do I get to the other shore? The master shouts back, you are on the other shore. (laughs) Got it? So uh, tonight, uh, I'm not sure where I'll go with all this, but we'll we'll weave it all together here somehow. But I wanted to start, this is one of my favorite pieces, because this Dharma stuff is just, uh, you know, uh, it is uh, really is precious. And this comes from uh, Shantideva, and it's called The Miracle of Awakening. As a blind man feels when he finds a pearl in a dustbin, so am I amazed by the miracle of awakening rising in my consciousness. It is the nectar of immortality that delivers me from death. The treasure that lifts us above poverty into the wealth of giving to life the tree that gives shade to us when we roam about scorched by life, the bridge that takes us across the stormy river of life, the cool moon of compassion that calms our mind when it gets agitated, the sun that dispels the darkness, the butter made from the milk of kindness by churning it with the Dharma. It is a feast of joy to which all are invited. Isn't it great? You know. So tonight, just, uh, you know, we've been working with these uh, four foundations and just, I thought, well, just to kind of review, because we were still, tonight I'm not sure, but it's really about, I'll, I'll go through it and then I have some things I want to say and then I'll get on to whatever my talk is, which I'm not sure yet. So, Body and breath, you got it? You know, it's, it's, this is your home. And your home is the fundamentals here of uh, grounding the attention, you know, uh, in the river or the impermanent phenomena of body breath. Uh, there is uh, the kind of feeling tones that are uh, tricky. You know, in some ways we'd think, oh, they're not subtle, but actually they are subtle in a sense that we get confused by sometimes I don't know whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. You have the same problem? You know, it actually takes a a lot of attention and uh, sometimes some reflection on what is it that's uh, appearing prior to disappearing, you know. 
And then there is this uh, incredible uh, third one, which is uh, all that, we're very good in the West, all this thinking that goes on and the kind of the reactions, the emotional reactions of liking and disliking to uh, extent to, to where uh, we get caught by it, by the past, by the future, uh, by, the, uh, by its power, you know, and that we get enchanted uh, by it. And in enchantment, uh, we, in essence, kind of uh, lose the Dharma in that. And our practice is, oh, we're just going to make friends and get to know it really well. You know. And then last night, Mary kind of moved on into, she did such a great job of uh, kind of covering, uh, simply we'll call it the Dharma. You know. And that uh, fourth one is uh, the Dharma, uh, uh, Buddha Dharma. And Dharma simply is truth. So there are many truths, you know. But the Buddha was quite specific that he was looking at something that uh, was necessary. Uh, not for all kinds of speculation, but simply for how is it that works that directly affects your liberation. You know, that's what he was pointing at. And so I like to look at it as, as a, you know, Maybe this is just imaging in my mind because I think in images, not so much uh, words are uh, kind of tricky in some ways for me. But uh, that there's this pond. And this pond uh, has these winds uh, called uh, life, uh, immediate, uh, with our own kind of causes and conditions, our, our karma, whatever. And these winds are blowing across the water, churning it up so that it's actually covered with white caps. And I think sometimes, you know, in our culture, uh, we, we get extra winds. You know, other cultures maybe, I think back a hundred years ago, uh, it wasn't such a breezy place, you know. And uh, it gets churned up. And because it gets churned up, then our ability to have insight to see into what is happening is actually stopped right there and stays on the surface. Now, coming to Spirit Rock, uh, this is a specific specific culture that is based first on that uh, we come into this and, and in this hall and on this grounds and in the deal we make about being here, there are these pontoons that are put up. And the pontoons, in essence, prevent the wind from stirring it up so much, you know. But of course, it's been pretty stirred up. So it doesn't just stop. The first day you came in, it didn't just stop, right? Uh, it kept, it was still churning, you know. But the ideals was that it was holding uh, the immediate winds off. And the thing that's interesting about that is uh, when we're simply looking at the surface, uh, it's all about survival, you know, about I, me, mine in some way. And the Buddha said, first of all, that that was a deception, a delusion, uh, that, that I, me, mine. And that uh, because the water was so churned up, uh, we couldn't have insight or see into it uh, in any profound way. And so the practice, these, uh, really these, uh, 
four foundations of, um, uh, there's one way I like the word, um, in some ways we've been using the word awareness, but also the mind full of the moment, you know. Uh, another way of expressing it is the mind full of the moment. And in that, uh, as we begin to kind of settle down, uh, first of all, of course, uh, there are currents. And these currents are our history, our old habits, uh, our fears, our likes. And they are currents that as we begin to kind of drop down, uh, go, you can say, from the obvious to the subtle. As we begin to drop down, uh, we uh, feel the power of those currents. You know. And of course, uh, they catch us and sweep us and, and uh, pull us and turn us upside down sometimes and kind of break our hearts and, and other times um, give us the space or the collectedness to actually uh, get underneath them. And so there's a series of currents that we have to actually, and sometimes I think we can't speed this process up. We just simply have to wait through it. You know, uh, there's no really fancy way to do this in some way. There is just the simplicity of uh, sitting and uh, kind of connecting and knowing these four foundations as they kind of pull us in certain ways. But in this fourth foundation, uh, the Buddha was not pointing to the kind of psychological, the surface of things and and uh, a lot of the simple operating part of our system, but something much deeper, you know. And what was deeper was actually uh, this whole ideal of a spiritual path, that somehow if we could get still enough and quiet enough, we would begin to see that from that personal that we, could, we had the possibility of dropping down below it into simply you could call the universal. And he was interested in that uh, because that was a place where the ideas of loneliness and separateness and uh, the storytelling suddenly, if I could say, come to, comes to an end. You know. And that was his interest, was somehow that, oh, please, uh, if you can just hang out long enough and get underneath this. What I'm teaching has to do with this truth of the universal. You know, and whether it's the basis of the the practice, the Four Noble Truths, uh, these five hindrances that were spoken about, or the factors of awakening, uh, these are all something that's in common between you and me. You know, it's something that uh, we all, uh, when we settle down enough, uh, in a sense, become uh, knowers and inheritors of. That's what we're doing. So, oh, oh, no, I want to read this because I wanted to read this. And when I want to read something, I usually appear. So, uh, no, this is funny and it's, it's, uh, it, it goes along with the uh, four foundations of mindfulness and it's uh, from the Colorado uh, Division of Wildlife. And it is probably the best instructions for meditation, you know. And it was really uh, what the woman did. She took uh, the word bear and substituted it for the word thought. You know, 
So, what do you do if you meet a thought? (laughs) There are no definite rules about what to do if you meet a thought. Thought attacks are rare compared to the number of close encounters. However, if you do meet a thought before it has time to leave your area, here are some suggestions. Remember, every situation is different with respect to the thought, its activity, the terrain, and the person involved. One, stay calm. (laughs) If you see a thought and it hasn't seen you, Calmly leave the area. (laughs) Stop. Back away slowly while facing the thought. (laughs) Giving the thought plenty of room to escape. (laughs) Wild thoughts rarely attack people unless they feel threatened or provoked. Speak softly. This may reassure the thought that no harm is meant to it. (laughs) Relax. If a thought stands upright or moves closer, it may be trying to detect your scent. This isn't a sign of aggression. Once a thought identifies you, it may leave the area or try to intimidate you by charging to within a few feet before it withdraws. This is, this is the last one. Don't run or make any sudden movements. Running is likely to prompt the thought to give chase. And you can't outrun a thought. <laughs> so that's, that's enough of that. No. So um, I did write a poem. You know, it sort of uh, it gets me out of trouble. That's all I do it for is just simply, otherwise I, you know, it's like when you have so many choices to think about, um, it's endless, you know, we're, we're just, you know, there's a word in uh, Pali, it's, it's, it's called papancha, and it means mental proliferation, you know, and, and uh, so I get caught up in that, so I write a poem and then I can relax and go, well, whatever happens, happens, it's cool, you know, so it's called Sitting on the Edge. My, my, time has gone by. Could it be that all of this dancing through time, all of it gone, gone beyond? But again, again, some sittings lasting for days and days, others only five minutes, Brought in some funky old, brought in some funky old rags, washed them in the sink of my mind one hundred times times a hundred times. Even now, not sure how clean they are. Tomorrow, back to the inevitable. A world I so meticulously constructed, hoping for a soft landing, knowing the habits seeing it a little clearer, could still fool me being bamboozled again, hoping I've learned to listen a little better, not exaggerating these concerns for this world, 
loosening my grip, smiling a little longer, heart more content with the way things are. Slowly moving past the gates of our sanctuary, no more bells to wake us up, just moments running into moments. It's up to the remembering now, a Buddha walking out into the world. So, I have some other things. So, I kind of came up with, I had come up with this before, but I couldn't remember, so Heather had to remind me what I was doing here tonight. Uh, in the sense that I, my, my mind is really shot sometimes. And, and, um, but I realized that um, part of all of this is, has to do with, I've, I've kind of wrote these three pieces, uh, vulnerability, humility, and service. You know, if you can remember these pieces as you go out, you know. And part of the thing is that um, all of this you know, is based on some kind, that kind of listening, uh, kind of deep down. Uh, there's a, that sensitivity uh, leaves us uh, pretty open, you know. So I'll tell a story. You like story? Yeah. What to do, you know. Um, I had been in Asia, this is probably the, for a year or so, and uh, I decided, okay, I was going to go up to this um, hermitage uh, in a in a village called Tami. It's up uh, past Namshi Bazaar, uh, 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 just on the way to uh, base uh, uh, Everest Base Camp. So I took off and I, I walked for two months, you know, and. Um, the way it started out, the first day I remember taking this bus out and I had this big backpack and, and um, it was trepidation, you know, of like, what was I doing? You know, and in those years there was only several hundred, uh, you know, permits that were given and stuff. And I did have the privilege, I had tea with Sir Edward Hillary. Uh I spent nine days with a man who skied down Everest and uh, that was pretty cool, you know. But the the real piece of it was uh, when I got off this bus, which was going up to the Chinese border, uh, it was Nepal. It was straight up, you know. And so, and I had this backpack with way too much stuff in it. And so, and I climbed, uh, you know, I got there probably 10 o'clock in the morning and I started climbing and probably around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I wasn't up to the crest of that first, out of the first valley. And I just sat down and I cried. You know, and I realized, oh, what have I done? Where am I going? And suddenly, you know, I sat there and I thought back to, you know, it was like years and years uh, of, um, you know, I maybe I had just been running and running and running, you know, and that finally I'd come to uh, kind of the, the, um, you know, that that I couldn't. Uh, get over in some way. And um, I realized I couldn't, I, I couldn't go, I couldn't carry this pack for one thing. Uh, it was, uh, you know, more than I could carry. 
And I was carrying uh, things up to my teacher, uh, the, uh, this Lama Zopa, uh, to his uh, hermitage and stuff. And, and, um, and there was something about, I had trekked in the Himalayas uh, before, up in the Annapurna range. But there was something about the intent, you know, because I had started off with the fact that somehow this was uh, not just, uh, I wasn't just trekking, that there, there was something about that I had to make it into uh, this pilgrimage or this journey that somehow exemplified the process of letting go of the past. And uh, I put the pack back on and I went on. A, I stayed for probably, I don't remember, maybe it was an hour or something, and I just kind of reviewed. And, and um, I, there was an incredible amount of sadness about how we carry, uh, you know, these old stories. And that somehow I, um, you know, there was also a part of me didn't want to let go of them like that. So I knew I had to walk and walk and walk. And one of the things my teacher had said is, you know, which was really helpful, uh, Lama Tupanyeshi, he said, well, you know, John, he gave me a mantra to do. And uh, he said, remember to keep your attention in your feet. You know, and it was the first really formal walking instructions I'd ever had. You know, and when the last part of that was, I was, uh, I was first in fear and I, was, uh, and I had all this kind of stuff that I had put on this journey, you know? And so in a way I see it as like, you know, a type, it's, it is a type of retreat that you kind of, uh, kind of bring your whole self to it. And the idea is that you do it uh, to let go and to find something completely unknown to you. And I got to this little, uh, kind of up on this crest in this little uh, village house and, and um, uh, I was very fortunate. There was a, a young man, uh, I was young, uh, early, tw- just kind of old, you know, young hippie type. And uh, he, he was from Leti, which was uh, the highest uh, inhabited village. And the thing was, he spoke no Nepali. You know, uh, he spoke, he's from the Sherpa area up there, so he, 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 neither one of us, he didn't speak a word of English, and nor, when we started going, he took my pack, and I made some agreement about paying him through this woman, and, and um, but neither one of us uh, uh, could speak to each other, and there was this, you know, this youth in the, kind of this uh, direction that somehow he was uh, going to um, guide me without knowing where he was going, you know. And um, so, you know, we ended up in little village houses where uh, one of them I remember quite clearly was, um, I know magic is kind of a strange word, but there was a woman, she made chong, this uh, kind of rice beer and stuff. And, and uh, she was up all night and she would do these chants, you know. And I swear, uh, and there were bed bugs. And it was just, you know, it was like a nightmare uh, with this uh, kind of, uh, you know, dark, dark chant going on. And then, and the next day, as Curtis light came, and I thought, oh boy, phew, I got to get it. So we got out of there and, and went on. And, and, uh, 
I don't know, maybe a week later or something like that, we came into this place called Jumbezi. And um, uh, it was most remarkable. Uh, it was, uh, so that was like hell. And then on this journey, then we came into this village and it was full moon. And uh, we went up to this temple and they had, the, the village all came because uh, it was full moon and they were, had this big, um, you know, festival and stuff. And then the head of the village, the head lama, uh, took us back and said, well, you know, you can stay in my house. And so um, we went downstairs. Uh, it was sort of a two-story building. And, and downstairs, and there were just these slats of wood. And so on the other side, it was this wooden thing that I was going to sleep on. On the other side was the lama's um, altar, and uh, and uh, full moon, and he so he chants all night, and I start and suddenly I start realizing oh that there was it was a trans it, from the darkness was the transpersonal peace, you know that suddenly uh, I had entered into uh, uh, absolutely another realm. You know I always thought oh I accidentally stepped into you know the kind of the myth of Shambhala, you know. And uh, in this process, um, then, of course, I went on up and I, um, I don't know, weeks later, I met Sir Edward Hillary and, and um, then later the man who skied down Everest and stuff. But I began to see that somehow that um, that walking uh, was, uh, that it was mirrored many, many times again where I would go and I would trek and then I would go and sit retreats. You know, and I began to understand that there was not so much a difference, you know, and the fact that what we're doing here is we're we're uh, letting go uh, of uh, all kinds of stories and feelings and uh, old things uh, that have to somehow uh, they through the in that in the waters uh, these currents uh, that if we can bring uh, awareness to them they have a tendency to untangle themselves. And that uh, our job is simply uh, to acknowledge and again, through that awareness, uh, allow all of it to touch us in some way. You know, there's really no good, no bad stories. So, This is from Orson Whitney. No pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience and faith and fortitude and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we do endure it patiently, builds up our character purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable. More worthy to be called the children of God. And it is through sorrow and suffering, toil and tribulation, that we gain the education that we come here to acquire. First noble truth, you know. Somehow uh, you are... um, you know, I think 
for so many years, I think, I had uh, moved fast and uh, been in, um, you know, denial of a lot of the suffering I'd experienced. And uh, there was some part of me that was looking to, to actually make friends or, or somehow, and I think that's a lot of the retreat system is to come here and give yourself permission. You know. You know. And there's nothing fancy, it's really simple, you know. Just the awareness itself uh, has the means uh, to transform the material and allow us to drop down a little deeper, you know, uh, under these currents, and um, and find specifically what the Buddha was pointing at. If anyone tells you that a certain person speaks ill of you. Do not make excuses about what is said of you, but answer. He was ignorant of my other faults, else he would not have mentioned these alone. (laughs) So uh, this vulnerability is something, you know... um, I think sometimes we go around, and I, I know for me, I, I built up, like it's like dragon scales or fish scales over my heart. So that somehow, um, you know, I was afraid to be seen, you know, for who I am, you know. And that somehow this language of, of, of that, you know, um, I had to be different than who I am. And that I'm not actually enough just with all my warts and, uh, you know, uh, chinned up knees and the rest of it, you know, that somehow this practice is coming to terms, you know, and you can say, oh, well, what is, what is it coming to terms with? And you can say it's an authenticity, you know, and that authenticity has a, not only a simplicity, it has a fundamental uh, humility to it, you know. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. <laughs> That's not bad, huh? But um, I'd like to read this. this is, it's a little bit long, but it's from an abbess. And uh, it's, it's really a prayer. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we do a lot of praying here. You know. And uh, it maybe isn't the terminology, but it's actually the process in some way. Lord, thou knowest better than myself that I am growing older and will soon be old. Keep me from becoming too talkative, and especially from the unfortunate habit of thinking that I must say something on every subject at every opportunity. (laughs) Release me from the idea that I must straighten out other people's affairs. With my immense treasure of experience and wisdom, it seems a pity not to let everybody partake of it. But thou knowest, Lord, that in the end I will need a few friends. (laughs) Keep me 
from this recital of endless details. Give me wings to get to the point. Grant me the patience to listen to the complaints of others. Help me to endure them with charity. But seal my lips on my own aches and pains. The increase with the increasing years in my inclination is to recount them is also increasing. I will not ask thee for improved memory, only for a little more humility and less self-assurance when my own memory doesn't agree with that of others. Teach me the glorious lesson that occasionally I may be wrong. Keep me reasonably gentle. I do not have ambition to become a saint. It is so hard to lift with some of them. (laughs) But a harsh old person is one of the devil's masterpieces. Make me sympathetic without being sentimental. Helpful, but not bossy. Let me discover merits where where, where I had not expected them and talents in people whom I had not thought to possess any. And Lord, give me the grace to tell them so. Great, you know. I think, you know, this practice, uh, it's true that this is a specific kind of way we do this here. But what I also was uh, trying to tell by my story that it doesn't have to be in one way. And that ultimately, uh, sometimes I imagine that uh, going to the grocery store uh, can be framed as a pilgrimage, as some way that I can, uh, you know, recognize that uh, whatever whatever direction or journey I'm taking, that it has something to it that's um, uh, some deeper teaching that is constantly available, you know. And I have a simple job, you know, and there is this uh, awareness uh, that, uh, first of all, just recognize that uh, all our the knowing part of us is only something in flux. You know, that the consciousness itself, uh, when it uh, touches uh, the seeing or the smelling or the hearing or the tasting or the thinking even, all of it is in flux, you know. And so we begin to recognize that that flux, um, uh, you know, when we attach to it, uh, we suffer, you know when we let it kind of fly by, then uh, it begins to uh, give some space or spaciousness that allows us to kind of turn our attention around and say, well, there's something about the knowing itself. uh, That's not something I'm making up or something that I somehow see as 
you know, some carrot out there called awakening or uh, enlightenment or something, that actually uh, the possibility uh, is based on something uh, that is just the knowing of it. It's not something that changes. You know. And that you, when you turn around and begin to, in a sense it has to be pointed out to you, because fundamentally first you have to learn that uh, there is nothing stable uh, in these sense doors, in our thinking, in our past, in our future, all of that and what we call our relative world uh, is uh, in flux. Suzuki Roshi simply called it little mind. You know. But then he also used the language of big mind and that there was this big mind or this uh, capacity to um, that universal, you know. And it wasn't about an experience, in a sense. It was about the capacity for us to, um, uh, you know, just to be awake to the knowing of it. And that's all, you know. Uh, and that it freed, you know. And that ultimately, when we began to kind of sit there with this truth of something that knows, you know, and that that knowing itself uh, is not caught up uh, and can be over and over again uh, identified only through uh, a simple means, you know. Any kind of uh, trying to figure this out uh, is simply to get caught. But there's also the capacity to kind of soften and relax and, and uh, sit in the center of yourself and say, oh, there's something that has no, always been there that knows. It has no age. You know. uh, uh, it can't be experienced in past or future. Uh, and uh, it has the qualities uh, of this simplicity and this freedom, you know. And I say this because it's something that when you go out uh, to remember this and to know that you don't have to do something for this or you don't have to kind of say, oh, it's only in retreat, you know. Uh, I don't think that's good enough, you know. What you really have to do is uh, recognize that you do have this as your uh, you know, it is your birthright, you know. And it was, uh, it's never actually been a problem, by the way. It can't be a problem. You know, it is of the universal. It is free of um, this or that, or up or down, or high or low. Uh, it is simply something that knows, you know. It takes patience, you know, to not believe everything that we make up about ourselves and others and uh, begin to recognize that you can turn around and uh, begin to rely on something that has always befriended you, always been there, 
and it can't be two. You know, uh, it can't separate. Uh, it only, uh, you could say, you know, sometimes in the Zen they use the word suchness or isness of it. Oh, I think that's good. You know, if you can get that, you know, and I know sometimes you go, oh, where's he pointing at? But I also know that you know what I'm talking about. You know, can you stay with it uh, and stabilize that in some way? Uh, well, that's your job. You know, but you do know. So, Get lost. You know, number one rule: don't get lost. You know, we'll see you again and again and again. I've been doing this a long time, and you know the thing that's uh, uh, so encouraging is that somehow um, it just gets more interesting and fascinating. You know, and you'll never get bored. It's really great. You'll never get bored. Uh, it doesn't work that way. You know, what it becomes is much more uh, about a richness. Um, you know, and it's not to say that you're not going to forget. Uh, you will. You know. But I think that for me, the confusion and the forgetting uh, is my humanity, and, and it actually works with my heart. And uh, my knowing uh, kind of lets me let go and frees me. And there's some way that these two pieces have to dance together. And that, you know, suffering and compassion and confusion on one side, uh, the kind of relative truth. And uh, this, uh, that is uh, kind of uh, the grand gift that you... Uh, walk around in, you know. So, sitting on the edge. My, my, time has gone by. Could it be that all of this, dancing through time, all of it gone, gone, gone beyond, but then again, some sittings lasting for days and days, others only five minutes, brought in some funky old rags, washed them in the sink of my mind a hundred times, times a hundred times, even now, not sure how clean they are. Tomorrow, back to the inevitable, a world I so meticulously constructed, hoping for a soft landing, knowing the habits, seeing a little clearer. 
could still fool me. Being bamboozled again. Hoping I learned to listen a little better. Not exaggerating these concerns for this world. Loosening my grip. Smiling a little longer. Hearts more content with the way things are. Slowly moving past the gates of our sanctuary. No more bells to wake us up. Just moments running into more moments. It's up to the remembering now. A Buddha walking out into the world. Let's just sit for a moment. attention and uh, don't get lost Uh, you know a lot of places to travel but your home is right here all the time so thank you Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.